Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog dedicated to your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm joined this week by Dale Bloom. Dale, good to see you. How's it going? Thanks, PD. It's going well. Feeling a little better after that win last night. Yep, yep. Feels good to see the Jackets uh, not just get a win at Madison Square Garden, but um pretty lopsided one in the uh in the score of five to one, which we haven't seen lately. Uh obviously we feel better this week than we did last week. Last week, we were, our finger was hovering over the panic button. We were wondering um, not when the Jackets would get their next win, but if they, they would get a win in the next week. And as it turns out, the Jackets have won actually three of their last four. Um, despite that, though, I feel like Jackets fans aren't necessarily uh, as enthusiastic as you would expect them to be. Uh, you know, with a chance to get 500 on Tuesday night, maybe get over 500 by the end of the month. Are you getting the same impression? And if so, why do you think that might be? Yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I can actually sympathize with that. It's kind of how I feel because there's, there's a lot of caution, I think, especially mm-hmm. after how some of these games went, um, you know, specifically um, the top teams uh, that right. we played, uh, the app, absolute thrashings that that we endured um so there's definitely some caution there uh, i do think that a loss last night especially if they had lost by multiple goals mm-hmm. um we'd be having a lot different conversation today um but the fact is that they did improve a little bit there's still question marks i think for for a lot of people um and so while i think that people have kind of taken their hands off the panic button i do think that there still is some some caution there by by the fans. I think it also another factor is how bad the losses have been. It's not like they've been competitive and lost just oh you know bad bounce here or there. It's like all four losses have been by three goals, and that includes a game against Pittsburgh where the Jackets were up three one halfway through that game and then gave up five unanswered goals. So that's going to sting no matter what, but especially when it's at home against Pittsburgh. So I think, yeah, and if you're looking at um, process over results, which is something that I uh, adhere to, especially early in the season like this, there's still questions about the process, about what are they doing scheme-wise. 
um, you know, the lineup decisions, the, uh, you know, where players are deployed within the lineup. I think those are still those questions that you refer to. They're still very much up in the air and maybe we still don't have a lot of confidence that, you know, Brad Larson is making the right decisions there. I will say though, that against New York, that felt to me like a step forward defensively. Uh, Like they were not giving up many quality chances, uh, only allowed one goal, uh, you know, which was on a, in the waning seconds of a five on three power play. Um, And even that one was off just a bad turnover, but otherwise they really weren't letting the Rangers get a lot going in that game. Do you think that that's something that they can build on going forward? Yeah, I do. What's interesting about that game yesterday is, um, or Sunday, I should say, is that they played a little more even with the Rangers than the score suggested. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Halak had a bad night. Uh, He let in two two real softies in the first period. So that game easily could have been 1-1 going into the second period. The Rangers took control, you know, halfway through the second period through with 10 minutes left in the third period, they really just had the Blue Jackets hemmed in and controlling play. Now, like you said, credit to the defense, they did a much better job um, of managing that, clogging up lanes, shooting lanes. The, the Rangers were getting off a lot of shot attempts, but very okay. few were reaching the net. Um, right. And that's the way you want them to play. And then they were able to find a way with 10 minutes left in the game um, to kind of turn that around, score two goals late. Um, so there's definitely a lot of positives. They played a simpler defensive game, which is what they need to do. Um, Eric Goodbranson, who has just been horrible up to this point, <laughs> actually had a decent game. I mean, you've got to give yeah. credit where credit is due. Sure, he was he was even um, even on shot attempts in the game yesterday, um, and I noticed several times where he was making a simpler play, maybe tying somebody up instead of just trying to lay a hit. Um, you know, trying to win one on one battles. Um, he was a little, you know, wasn't wandering away from in front of the net like he has been. So you know, give some credit there. The defense was definitely better and but they've got to get some consistency there they've got to find a way to replicate that kind of performance uh, across you know the games this coming week another factor uh with the defense uh this week that was a a change one major lineup change that happened was adam boquist getting scratched and nick blankenberg being put in his place um and then starting with that vancouver game i feel like and, you know, and I'm one who, you know, I prefer to look at concrete evidence like stats if I can, but Blankenberg is definitely an eye test guy. I mean, his stats, his numbers are good too, but he's a guy that when he's out there, you notice him and he's making an impact on both ends of the ice. And I feel like the whole team seemed to follow his lead. I mean, it was a bad, bad start to the Vancouver game, but Blankenberg was like the one player there who looked like he gave a damn. And... I think the rest of the team started to feed off that. I mean, he's a guy that he's going out there, he's laying hits, uh, he's getting the puck, he's not afraid to sh- you know put shots on net. How much of an impact do you think Nick Blankenberg had to turning the season around? I think it's been huge. I mean, you, you say that he's passed the eye test, but he's also passed the stats test. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's second on the team in, in unblocked shot attempts um, percentage, and he's second on the team, both behind line A, by the way. And expected goals for percentage. I mean, so I test 
you know, results on the ice. He scored goals. He's had assists. You know, he 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 brings an energy. Um, you know, they, they talk about toughness and being mm-hmm. physical, and they bring in a guy like Good Branson, right, who's big and strong, and then you have a five nine defensive guy. <laughs> Who comes into the lineup and does exactly what they ha- what they wanted Good Branson to do? He yeah. hits people. He plays hard, um, and he brought so much to the team. Um, now he's he's likely going to be out for a few weeks, and, and that's going to hurt. Um, but hopefully, just kind of how they were able to play with him in the lineup. Hopefully, that alone will kind of carry on um, in his absence. Yeah. So in the, in the Rangers game, he. Uh took kind of an awkward hit. It was reaching for the puck and it appeared Now we don't have confirmation as to the extent of his injury, but it looked very similar to what happened to Line in terms of the elbow getting hyperextended. Uh, now Blankenberg wasn't a lot of distress when it happened, went to the bench. He did come back into the game for a few shifts, but did eventually leave the game for good. The team on Monday recalled Gavin Bayreuther from Cleveland. Um, so that seems to suggest that uh, Blankenberg will be out for at least a little bit. You know, how will his recovery match up to Line a if it is a similar injury? Um, obviously, he's a guy that needs to hit, which Line a doesn't. So he might need more time to recover for that regard, but he also doesn't. Uh, I believe this was his uh, off arm, so he maybe doesn't need it as much for power on his shots like Line a would with his right arm. Um, now, with Boquist, what do you expect from him, assuming that he's the one? that gets back in the lineup. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't get put with Wierenski again. Um, mm. I don't think that went too well. Um, I, I think peak has actually played decently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the numbers kind of show that out. You know, I would rather them put Boquist down in the lineup. Um, you know, let's not play good Branson up in the lineup. <laughs> um, right. So maybe, maybe put him with Gavrikov, um, see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't put him back with with Rinsky. I put Peak back there, um, and I let Bokvist do what he does best, right? And that's uh, play up, uh, get shots on net, um, you know, join the rush sometimes. Um, and I think maybe if he's with someone like Gavrikov, that'll help him kind of settle in a little bit more. With Bokvist, he was or with Rinsky, sorry, he was. It just didn't work there defensively either. Um, mm. And so I would hate to see them just kind of go right back to that. So what's interesting is I'm looking at the the deployment numbers here, and Blinkenberg actually was used a lot more uh, in an offensive context. You know, very few defensive zone starts relative to the other defensemen, uh, which is very similar then to also how Adam Boquist was deployed. So it makes me wonder if you couldn't just, you know, deploy Boquist similar to how you're doing Blankenberg. Now, I don't expect Boquist to be the same kind of physical presence that Blankenberg was, because I feel like some of that is just kind of instinctive. Like, either you have uh, that dog in you <laughs> to, to hit guys, or you don't. But if you can at least get Boquist to maybe adopt some of that offensive assertiveness that Blankenberg has, and with Boquist, you have a guy who is better at handling the puck than Blankenberg is better passer, better shooter, better skater. So I'm hoping that this can be a wake up call for Boquist that's sitting in the press box for four games, watching what was going on, that this could maybe sort of underline for him again. 
hey, this is what you need to do to stick in the lineup. If you can play more like this, this is how you can just be a better player and maybe come closer to reaching your ceiling, which, again, as a former top 10 pick, should be a very high ceiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the better play overall um, on this team hopefully helps him out a little bit. His biggest issue has been defensive positioning, mm-hmm. right? What happens when the puck goes back the other way is where he's struggled. One of the things that uh, I noticed about Blankenberg was, um, I can't remember if it was uh, on Sunday or if it was on Saturday against Pittsburgh, the kid's got wheels. And yeah. when he back checks, he, he, I noticed him a couple times back checking. Um, if he was playing up a little bit and then kind of got caught, um, he was able to get back and, and yeah. defend the other way. So, you know, for Bokvist, we all know what he can do. Um, I think wonder sometimes if it's a little bit of a mental struggle with him with trying to make sure he's playing the right way defensively, mm-hmm. maybe throws him off a little bit. Um, but I mean, he's, a, he's a really talented guy. And I think that we certainly should hope that he can, he can figure it out um, and get back in the lineup. And even there, there's the, that question of assertiveness, you know, like, yeah, maybe don't worry so much about where the right spot to be is, but do your best to be there. And if you're not there, then just hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not in the right spot, then hustle to where you need to be, um, which is what Blankenberg does, you know, no matter if he's not in the right spot to go. And, you know, like against Vancouver, there was a bad goal against where he overpursued the puck on defense. And, you know, I think that's something that he needs to learn to not do that. But, you know, I, I don't fault him for trying to like, hey, oh, I did a bad turnover trying to t- clear the puck. So now I'm going to try to get that puck back. Okay, I think that's a good instinct to have. You just need to hone it correctly. All right. When we come back from a break here, we will talk about some goalies. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Uh, another player that I wanted to talk about who, again, had a big impact on Sunday was Daniil Tarasov. So, you know, got his first NHL win to have it happen in Madison Square Garden. That's a big, big deal. And we have to start, we have to talk about it now. I think it's time for the conversation. Is Tarasov a threat 
for the starting job for taking that from Elvis Merzlikens? I don't think he's a threat yet, but he's definitely making his case for more playing time. Yeah, let me give let me give you some numbers here. So Elvis has four starts, Tarasov has three. And looking at their numbers and all strengths here, uh, shots against per 60, 37 for Tarasov, 30 for Elvis. So Tarasov is facing a heavier workload. Even if you look at high danger shots against, it's 8.67 for Tarasov, 7.15 for Elvis. And Tarasov is doing this against tougher competition. Uh, the Hurricanes, the Lightning, the Rangers, uh, and two of those games on the road. And the goals against... 4.19 for Elvis, 3.33 for Tarasov. Save percentage, 9.12 for Tarasov. It's really good. 8.64 for Elvis, not very great. Um, expected goals against, uh, 2.88 for Elvis. So the defense is playing better for Elvis. It's 3.32 for Tarasov. So Tarasov is basically allowing what you would expect against him. Elvis is allowing much worse, and he's having better defense in front of him. So... I think, though, like you, it's not time yet to really seriously talk about it. I trust that Elvis is going to bounce back from this. We've seen him bounce back from before. He's inconsistent in his career. He's certainly streaky. I think he can find his way. But I also think that what we've seen from Tarasov and what we saw from him in you know four starts last year, like this guy is an NHL caliber goaltender. And I... You know, Elvis is on a five-year contract, starts this year. So he's got to be the goalie for the next few years. But Tarasov has always struck me as the goalie of the future. I just think he's showing us that the future might be sooner than we anticipated. So might we consider some kind of 1A, 1B situation with these guys? I think you've got to at least think about it. Based on the way he's looked in Mm -hmm. the eye test, throw the stats out the window. He looks calm. He looks cool. He looks solid as far as moving side to side. Um, He his saves that he's made that he made in in the the game against the Rangers. I don't remember him one time making a save where I was like, "Oh man, he barely got to that puck," or he had to stretch out, you know, to make that save. I mean, he was in position. His positioning was so was Mm. so good that he didn't have to make really hard saves and that hasn't been true for Elvis. Um, You know, he's a little more erratic in the crease. He's always been that way. Um, And he has to kind of sprawl out to make some saves, dive across the crease. Um, And that may be all fine and good, but when you just break it down that way, Tarasov just looks like he, um, he looks like he's been in the league for a long time. You know, you can Mm -hmm. compare him, compare him to somebody like Vasilevsky. And yeah. you know, I'm not saying that he's he's a Hall of Famer, or future Hall of Famer, <laughs> or anything. But Vasilevsky's a tall guy; he's lanky, and he is very calm in net. Mm-hmm. And they're also from the same part of Russia too. So Tarasov, yep. you know, looks up to Vasilevsky. Yep, yep, very similar playing styles, um, but the coolness in the crease and being able to compose yourself rather than what Elvis does sometimes where he's trying to knock a puck away or he we how many times have we seen him give a goal give up a goal because he came too far out of the the crease to mm. challenge a player. Now those yeah. are all correctable things. If Elvis can can focus more on staying in the crease and um you know being better positionally, I think that Elvis still has a ton of upside. Um but yeah based off of what Tarasov has done, not this season but last season, 
you almost have to consider when Corpy is ready to maybe put him on waivers and send him to Cleveland um, and go with a, a tandem in Columbus. Yeah, you know, it's it feels like Tarasov is too good to go back to the Monsters at this point. Um, but I, but I also, on the other hand, you you do want him to be playing, right? Yeah. On a, at least on a regular basis. But and I, you know, we know the goalies too that they like to be workhorses. They like to play frequently. I, I wonder if you could, you know, maybe give each guy kind of a stretch of games and then give them you know a week or so to rest up. But mm-hmm. uh, I'd certainly feel. I feel comfortable with Tarasov. It's not like, oh, grab, you know, we're going with the backup today. You know, we got to really put up the goals. Like, no, you know, it's, you're getting, you know, at least similar production. So it's like, you know, you got to put up three, three to four goals anyway because of the defense. But, you know, you can trust either goalie in there at this point. And I don't trust Corpusalo. You know, I didn't trust him last year when he wasn't hurt, but now coming off the injury. Um, and, and that's the thing, Tarasov is also coming off a hip injury certainly doesn't look like it. Like he's had enough time to recover and he looks to be in great shape. Um, speaking of backup goalies, all three of the Jackets wins have come against backup goalies. Um, and a friend of mine, Ben, raised this question today. Does that concern you at all? Before the game against the Rangers, I would have said yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Again, we kind of talked about it at the start. Halak had a bad night. He gave up yeah. a couple softies. Um, but... The Blue Jackets scored three legitimate goals against him, um, and they did a good job of, um, you know, keeping the puck out of their own net. Um, I don't see why they couldn't have won that game against Shesterkin. Um, sure. Now the other games too. That's a big question mark. Although um, UC Saros for the Predators has struggled so far this year, um, but yeah, you always do wonder, you know. You struggle to are you going to struggle to score more, more goals against you know top NHL goaltenders? Um, I think that that is certainly legitimate. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm not as worried about it just because I think we could have beaten those teams anyway. The way we played defensively against the Rangers, and also the fact that you know Vancouver with Demko, Nashville, Lasaros have had their struggles. I mean, Vancouver still has not won a game yet. Uh, there and that's a real, real bad situation going on there. And Nashville, I believe, has still not yet won a game on North American soil this year. So after beating, you know, San Jose, who's not great, they've had their struggles. So I think we could have beaten those teams anyway. So I'd be more concerned about the fact that, you know, we beat up on a couple bad teams there. So being able to be a good team in New York is that's encouraging. Um, with Vancouver and Nashville is just good to get points, you know, and, and erase the burden of, of not having enough wins. Um, so now coming into this week, we have a game Tuesday at home against Arizona, and then we travel to New Jersey on Sunday. Those are two weaker teams. So those are games where I'm looking for us to continue to play well against teams like that and also not go into a, you know, Two nothing hole <laughs> early in the game. Now Boston at home Friday, uh, they've been playing really well, so I kind of would chop that up as a loss as well. Um, so, but again, they just need four points in these three games, and they'll be at five hundred heading into November. Uh, what do you expect from this coming week? I think you should expect um, to come out with two wins, to come okay. out with four points. Um, you know, you, 
if you lose to Arizona, you've got problems. Um, yeah. Toronto lost to them. <laughs> but they've lost all of their other games by four goals. So wow. I, I, they, I, I knew they were yes. losing. I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> yes. Yes, they're getting hammered in every game they play, except except for beating the Toronto Maple Leafs four to two. That's fantastic. Which the, the amazing stat is that uh, Toronto has not defeated Arizona in regulation in Toronto in twenty years. <laughs> no way. <laughs> this is a real stat. I it, that is completely bonkers. I, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, and then you look forward to the Devils. Um, that's a team that you want to beat. That's a team that you've if you if you say that you're a playoff team, which you know we all know how what, where we stand on that. But if the team is saying, "Hey, we're a playoff team," this is a direct rival potentially for a wild card spot. Sure, um, and and, so, and for and for years to come too, because they are a team absolutely. on the upswing, which we want to be as well. So. I agree. Yeah, we're we're fighting for them for for years to come. So that could be a real statement statement game there for sure. And you want to go on a uh, positive note, then heading to Finland after that, um, because you know you're probably going to face a tough test in Colorado. Um, so again, it, the more wins you can bank before going into that, um, that certainly helps you. And then it's a, a metro heavy schedule coming back from Finland after that. Uh, which we'll get into uh, in, in a few weeks' time. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about, just real briefly, because you know we've been such a Kent Johnson podcast, we have to acknowledge Kent Johnson finally, <laughs> finally scored an NHL goal on Saturday, and then followed it up on Sunday with another one. Um, how, how do you feel about how his game has has turned around? Nothing but positive things to say about <laughs> about Kent Johnson. You know, not only has he looked great. Yeah. Uh, but the stats are bearing that out. You know, we talked, you talked about Nick Blankenberg earlier. Um, you know, he took un, unblocked shot attempts for percentage when, when Johnson's on the ice, he's third on the team behind yeah. line and, and, and Blankenberg. Um, you know, we, we've talked many times about what it takes to really be a good team in the league today. And it's possess the puck. It's mm-hmm. being able to hold on to the puck. It's being able to create offensive chances um, you know, you can hit and you can be tough and you can play good defense, but there's so much skill and so much goal scoring in this league that you've got to be able to do that yourself. Yeah. And Ken Johnson provides that for this team. He's always creating chances in the zone. He's holding on to the puck. He's making zone entries um, where he's he's carrying it in and then he's holding on to it and being able to yeah. make the pass. Um, and for a kid to be able to do that at, at 19 years old in the NHL, I mean, you, you can't say you can't say enough about that. And the fact that now he has a couple goals under his belt, you can see the confidence growing. I mean, yeah. it's just it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, and I think you're going to see that with uh, Igor Chinikov as well, who you know he had a pair of back to back two assist games uh, in those wins over Vancouver and Nashville, um, but was not able to find the back of the net. He finally did on uh, on Sunday which was a, a great play, a play like he's been making where he just possesses the puck in the offensive zone, creates the window for himself, and then just lets that shot rip. He's got such a powerful shot. I mean, even just the wrister, it's like a cannon going off. It's incredible to see. And so that's got to help his confidence for sure. So if those two can start taking off, um, that does a lot for this team's scoring depth, even before Line comes back. And 
you know, we've seen footage of Line A skating. Even this week, he was practicing shooting. So that suggests that his elbow is healing better than uh, maybe anticipated. And I had a feeling with that prognosis, with the Finland games being on the early end of it, like there is no way that you're going to tell Line A that he can't play in those games in his hometown. I think he's going to be ready for at least one of those games. Uh, even if his elbow is not 100%, he's going to play in those games. But if he's getting shots off, there's a good chance that he is ready to go, uh, which will lead to some interesting lineup decisions. Uh, Justin Danforth is out indefinitely with an upper body injury, so uh, we don't know when he'll be expected back. So maybe Liney takes that spot and that pushes off a hard decision. But um, but certainly Johnson and Chinikov, those are guys that have uh, you know earned their spot in the lineup. You know, Jack Rozovic and Jake Voracek really struggled at the start of the year, but it's since they got paired up with Johnson that those guys have started to look a lot better. Um, so I feel like Johnson's a guy that could make any any line better uh, that he's on. Yeah, you look at the top guys on the team now as far as points, it's Goudreau with seven, mm-hmm. Rozovic, Chinikov, and Voracek with, with five. Um, Johnson with four, Jenner with four. But you like seeing those skill guys at the – at the top. Um, one interesting note too, is that Liam Foodie had a great night. Yeah. On Sunday. He, a lot better was, than I would have expected. He was fantastic. Two primary assists, mm-hmm. uh, made some great plays, made a lot of plays with his speed. Um, now, you know, if line is going to be back, um, you know, maybe he potentially comes out. Um, but you know, Hey, that's a great sign from a kid that's kind of struggled. Um, to just come in for one game and play that way, you know, hats off to him. Yeah, and I think it's what we've seen from young players and this argument that I made when I wrote that article about playing the kids is, you know, just give these guys a chance to play. And when they get in there, they seize the opportunity. And that's what you want. And that, you know, it makes the team better when they're playing well. I think it also lights a fire under the veterans to know that, hey, no one's job is safe because these kids can come in and they're going to outplay you. So you better step your game up as well. And I think we've seen that a little bit, that some of these veterans are like, oh yeah, this is how we need to play. Uh, And that's real, that's real exciting to see. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, We will not have a pod next week because I will be uh, overseas uh, for those games. We might, maybe it'll do a Twitter space at some point that week uh, from over there in uh, Sweden and Finland on my trip there. But, uh, but we will still have, of course, daily coverage on the Canon like we always do. So be sure to follow along for that. And when I get back from the trip, we will have, I'm sure, a lot more to talk about. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to JacketsCanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dance.